0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, would the Falcons really pass on Jalen Carter? Sometimes BPA equals L-O-S-E and shock at shortstop. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today. You can subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they are available. Roku and Amazon Fire is two additional ways where you can check out all of our content. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So would the Falcons pass on Jalen Carter? Well, according to some sources, there is a definite chance that that could happen. So there was an article by Josh Kendall of the athletic and he covers the Atlanta Falcons, uh, for them. And, um, you know, listen, I've met Josh. He's not a hot take kind of guy. I mean, he's a pretty, pretty balanced guy and he's got good reporting and things like that. So this is not a matter of, you know, he's just trying to create a headline or a story or things like that. But he says that the idea of the Falcons taking Jalen Carter isn't going to happen. According to a quote in his article, quote, it once seemed a pipe dream that Carter would fall to Atlanta at number eight. It now looks likely and it looks equally as likely that the Falcons will let him go right by if he does. Atlanta fans need to start getting their minds wrapped around the fact that Carter is not coming to Flowery Branch. Ooh, that's pretty bold and it's got some conviction behind it. Now, all right, so let's sort some of this stuff out, okay? First off, my gut, and I'm just only using my gut, obviously no sources or nothing like that. Just my gut tells me that Carter's not going to fall past five. I think Seattle is the play at number five. I think it becomes more likely. Look, I think they just released the defensive uh, tackle uh, yesterday. So I think it becomes more likely that Jalen Carter at number five is taken by the Seahawks. They're probably not in the quarterback business. Again, maybe they don't look at Geno Smith as the long, long long-term answer, but I think for right now, they're good in that business. Will Anderson is most likely not going to be on the board when they pick. So I still think that Jalen Carter is the pick at number five for Seattle, but What if Jalen Carter does start to slip down and there have been reports that Jalen Carter could be a second half of the first round draft pick that he could go, you know, outside the top 10. There's been all kinds of wild speculation that people are using as quote unquote sources for, you know, what, what Jalen Carter's lot in life is going to be, but man, Would the Falcons really pass on Jalen Carter? And I saw yesterday Colin Coward had this ridiculous, you know, take and all that stuff about, oh, well, we should apologize to Todd McShay for what Todd McShay didn't know all the stuff about Jalen Carter being at the scene, leaving the scene, what he was going to get charged for. He didn't know any of that kind of stuff. The only way it got to light was the two reporters from the Atlanta Journal Constitution, who, by the way, I had on my radio, I had one of those guys on my radio show, one of the investigative reporters for the Atlanta Journal Constitution, was on my radio show and talked to me about the story. But again, nobody knew that. Even the NFL was caught off guard by all of this stuff. So when Todd McShay said, oh, character issues, I certainly think that they knew at the time that he had a speeding ticket that he paid off because it's public record that Jalen Carter had a thousand dollar speeding ticket, 89 and a 45 that they knew, but they didn't know all of that other stuff. That's bull. That's bull. And you can talk to you, you go talk to the guy that was the investigative reporter that, that had all that story that wasn't leaked out. And the NFL itself was caught off guard by all of that. Even Jalen Carter to a degree was caught off guard. And then they said red flags about, well, his workout and all that. Yeah, I understand. Listen, I think the emotion of everything that had happened, the totality of everything that happened that night on January 15th, the two uh, the, the two people that died, you know, obviously he was at the scene. I think all of the emotion and things like that got to Jalen Carter. And he came in nine pounds heavier and wasn't able to finish his drill. But again, I, I think when you add in everything that was surrounding Jalen Carter, that that's why when he came to the pro day workouts, he wasn't in great shape, and he obviously couldn't finish the drills. So I, I, I I'm going to give him a bit of a pass on all of this because at the end of the day, okay, take that you know videotape, okay, if that's what they still use, take that videotape. Stick it in that slot of your VHS, okay, and go watch this kid play. And go watch what a difference maker it is when he's playing football. Because at the end of the day, we can talk about all these flaws and different things like that, but the tape don't lie. It seems like in the NFL that the thing that hurts you the most is when you smoke weed, right? Dan Marino. Warren Sapp, Randy Ma, all guys that dropped in the in the draft because they were linked to weed. Seems like that's the thing that you know has the biggest issue as far as where you're gonna fall in the draft or not. But if the Falcons pass on Jalen Carter, this is not about taking UGA guys or anything like that. It's about the talent that's out there and, and the disruptive nature that Jalen Carter brings. And if I can stand Grady Jarrett and Jalen Carter, stand them side by side or in a three-point stance side by side, how disruptive does our defensive line become? And we're going to talk about this here in just a couple of minutes about BPAs and all that kind of stuff. How could anybody say that Jalen Carter wouldn't be the best player available? If you're passing on Jalen Carter at eight, then you're going against what your philosophy is of BPA and all that kind of stuff, because he's going to be your BPA. How could, how could there be three players in this draft that grade out higher or rate higher than what Jalen Carter is, especially at the position that he plays. It's not like he's a safety. It's not like he's a tight end. It's not like he's a running back. He's a disruptive force at one of the most important positions on the entirety of the football field, defensive tackle. So again, if the Falcons are bold enough and brave enough to pass on this, then I don't ever want to hear about BPA ever again. Because again, that philosophy is, and we're going to explain it here in just a minute, that philosophy is ridiculous. I'm not letting Jalen Carter pass me by I'm not going to let potentially a generational talent. Now, look, if he flames out, then I still it still was the right pick. He may flame out, but it was still the right pick for what this team needs, for what this team is looking for, and for a guy who would be certainly the best available player in the draft if he's sitting there at number eight for the Falcons to get a hold of. All right, let's talk about our friends over at FanDuel. Listen, FanDuel's America's number one sports book, and as the tournament and March Madness is heating up, we're headed toward the Sweet 16, right? Coming up on Thursday, okay? If you go to FanDuel.com today, if you're a new customer, you can claim your no-sweat first bet where you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe. Secure, super easy to use. You can bet on everything from money lines to point spreads to number of threes that are drained, everything in between. Plus, FanDuel lets you combine bets for a bigger chance and a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So head to FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D today. And claim your no-sweat first bet where you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. That's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook betting partner of the NBA. So, you know, there's been a lot of chatter about the Falcons and their draft philosophy and, you know, if the best available player is is there on the board at eight, whether that's wide receiver, whether that's a Bijan Robinson, whatever it is, safety, corner, whatever like that, okay, and the the Falcons stay to their true to their board and they draft best best available player, best player available, right? BPA, right? We hear that all the time, okay. So if BPA means that corner or running back is the play at number eight or listen if court if 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 the Falcons look at BPA and say Will Levis is you know the highest rated guy on our board when you're so deficient at what wins in the NFL and I keep circling back to this if you're so deficient at what wins in the NFL how can you pass one of those guys by Let's just say for, for argument's sake, okay, that when the group of guys that are sitting there at number eight for the Falcons to draft, let's say Miles Murphy is third, fourth, fifth on their draft board as far as available players. It Maybe Will Levis is higher. <clears throat> maybe a Jalen Carter is higher. Whatever, okay? I mean, what whatever combination of players and things like that that you want to do. You, you want to take Christian Gonzalez or you know, Devin Witherspoon, whatever. I don't I don't really care about the name on the back of the jersey, okay? But if that guy is a first-round talent and you are so deficient at what wins in the NFL, why do you think we haven't won the last five years? Why do you think we've not had a winning record? Is it because, oh, well, we just haven't had enough money to spend? Hell, the Falcons, when they didn't have money a few years ago, signed Todd Gurley and signed Dante Fowler to a $56 million contract when they didn't have any money, when they had like two bucks on the cap. So that's not it. Well, we just don't have enough skill position people, wide receivers and tight ends. Okay, well, you've seen the last couple of years it hadn't made a bit of a difference. Well, we have to dig out from, you know, the holes that we created and stuff like that. Well, part of that's your own fault, but also, too, again, The Falcons had $9 million of money to spend last year. When they went into week one of the NFL season, they had almost $9 million by the time they did the uh, uh, Deion Jones and all that. They had $9 million to spend. So again, and, and the only team that seems to stick to caps and stuff like that are the Falcons. The Saints just freed up. $35 million of money, $35, $36 million of cash. And they had what, four bucks on the cap? You can always find money to do what you got to do. Falcons proved it two years ago when they signed Todd Gurley and Dante Fowler. So it's not that. What what are we deficient in? Are we great at quarterback, great on our offensive line, great on our defensive line? Well, quarterback is a complete mystery at this point. Offensive line, you feel pretty good about. I still want to upgrade at left guard. Defensive line is a disaster. And why is it all of these teams that are successful, the 49ers, the Eagles, they all draft high-caliber guys, use their high-draft capital to draft O-line, D-line, and quarterback, and then they spend their free agent money on O-line, D-line, quarterback. Did the, did the 49ers need Javon Hargrave? No, but they gave him $80 million. Why? Because that's what they do. That's why they win. They're the best line of scrimmage team in the NFL with three different quarterbacks and two different head coaches. They've been to five of the last 10 NFC title games. You don't get that way by investing in losing football. And so we can talk about best available player and stuff like that. You know, oh, well, maybe it's B. John Robinson or it's this guy or that guy. But at some point, at some point, we have to invest in what wins. You know, there were three guys in the 2020 draft, uh, well, whatever it was, 2020 or 2021 draft, that made sense for the Falcons. Kyle Pitts, Panay Sewell, and Micah Parsons. What if you drafted Micah Parsons? How different would this franchise look? Not that Kyle Pitts was a bad draft pick. Not that Drake London is a bad draft pick. This is not about saying that those guys are bad players, but they don't impact the game week in, week out. Sunday to Sunday, they don't have enough of an impact in changing up the dynamic of the game. Kyle Pitts has been a really good player. Has he been Travis Kelsey? Has he been George Kittle? He hasn't been to that level yet. And where are the Falcons? Still losing every single year. And at some point, at some point, you have to fix what ails you. If if you have a cancerous tumor in you, okay, you can take all the NyQuil in the world. And it'll make you feel better and it'll improve your cough and and you'll sleep better and all those different things will get all the benefits of taking NyQuil that it provides you, but it won't fix your tumor. Won't do a single thing to get that cancerous tumor out of you. You got to dig in and get it out and get yourself on the road to health. And that's where this Falcons franchise is, is that we keep talking about these best available guys and stuff like that. Well, what wins in the NFL? The three things that win in the NFL, your O-line, your D-line, and your quarterback, that's the three things. You can take the luxury of drafting Kyle Pitts and Drake London and B. John Robinson and this guy and that guy when your team is good, when you're good at all three of them. Not one, not two, all three of those things. It's not coincidence that when Jalen Hurts made his boost and their defensive line killed everybody and their offensive line is maybe the best in the NFL that the Eagles were in the Super Bowl how about the how about the Chiefs well let's see Pat Mahomes is the best player in the NFL their defensive line is outstanding and their offensive line is outstanding and they drafted Creed Humphrey and guys like that Creed Humphrey is not a sexy player but you know what he was second team all pro second team all pro well what did the what the Buccaneers do a couple years ago well all they did was draft Tristan Wirfs who was all-rookie and then in his second year was first-team all-pro. You don't think guys like that make a difference? You don't think those unsexy guys that you draft at key positions don't make a difference on winning and losing? Of course they do. The, The Buccaneers already had a great defensive line. Then they added Brady. They had a great quarterback. Then they had to get their offensive line fixed. Well, here's Tristan Wirfs. Oh, he's first team all NFL. You draft what impacts your team the most. And we've got pretty much our offensive line fixed. But when you are 20, 21 sacks on the quarterback and the most important thing you can do on defense in the NFL is in today's game, sack the quarterback. That's the most important thing you can do. Again, 70% of the teams from 2016 on, have been 38 or more sack teams. Of the last 14 Super Bowl participants, the last 14 participants, whether they won the game or lost the game, have averaged 43 and a half sacks. At some point, you have to fix it. Maybe Miles Murphy or Tyree Wilson isn't their best available player. But if they're high caliber first round talents, you don't start passing up those guys to stay true to your board and draft wide receiver, tight end, unicorn, running back. At some point, we have to fix what ails us. And free agency isn't the way to do that. You get young and cheap and first-round talent. Again, 70%, 70% of the top 10 active sack leaders, the top 20 active sack leaders, and the top 25, active sack leaders, our first round picks. You know how I know that? Because I did all the math for you. I did the research and the math for you. You don't have to think about it. I did it all. I did all the work for you to find what this is Because I wanted to see for myself. And you know what? It just confirms what I knew. Take an edge player at eight or Jalen Carter. Take a guy that can impact the game where we don't impact the game and make it happen. All right. Besides uh, making "Hit and Hard" your first listen every day, make sure you make "Locked On Sports" today your second listen. Biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available. Odyssey, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get all of your podcasts from. So, this was a surprise um, that came down yesterday for the Atlanta Braves as they optioned both Braden Shoemake and. Vaughn Grissom to Triple A. And now the Braves are looking at Orlando Arcia as their starting shortstop. Now, what's interesting is Arcia hasn't been a regular player, a regular starter since 2019, is the last time that he played 150 games in a season. Now, this was interesting from just a few days ago over the weekend. Okay. Brian Snitker. Said on the shortstop battle, "quote We're going to take one of the two, either Shoemaker or Grissom, and uh, sorry, let me let me repeat that. We're going to take one of the two, Shoemaker or Grissom. More than likely, we'll see who we have, who we leave with in a couple of weeks. So Brian Snicker was under the impression that Grissom or Shoemaker would be the shortstop that they brought into camp. And here's an interesting tweet." that Peter Gammons put out. So the longtime baseball guy right from ESPN and all that kind of stuff. He says that last week, Braves coaches were concerned Vaughn Grissom had an issue in the hernia area. Now he opens the season in AAA. So instead of plan A or plan B, now they're down to like plan D or E. And I hope this doesn't backfire. Are the Braves talented enough to get through all of this stuff? Certainly. The Braves are an immensely talented team. But when you're putting just a utility infielder as your starting shortstop, which is literally maybe the most important defensive position you can have on the baseball diamond, right? Everything's about defense up the middle. Catcher, second, short, center field. I would tell you, more than any position, it's that important. And you're replacing a gold glove winner, one of the best shortstops, both defensively and offensively, one of the better two-way players in Major League Baseball, with a guy who, in all honesty, is a ham and egger. You know, even when Arcia did start a few years ago, and again, you have to go back to 2019 to to see all of this the last time that this played itself out but arcia was a 230 hitter in 2019 in fact his numbers are you know the last time he played 150 games and he's played 150 he's played 152 games in 2019 and 153 in 2017 he hit the last time in in 2019 hit 15 homers 59 ribbies and he had a 223 batting average with a 283 on on-base percentage and a 633 OPS. Now, I can live with the bat not being what we thought and stuff it was. But for this team to have put such a premium on their defense, it does kind of make me scratch my head. And look, Shoemaker is going to play second and Grissom's going to play short they go down to AAA. I mean, that's been the plan. That's the plan is, according to Dave O'Brien and Mark Bowman and every other, you know, Gavone that, that's talking about the Braves, the plan is Shoemaker at second, Grissom at short. Now, do I think that the Braves are going to wait really long? I, I don't think so. I would hope not. But how did they not have a better plan going into the offseason? Even if they signed... A Gene Segura or somebody like that, like, I mean, even if they just signed a guy who's been a regular starter over the last few years to play shortstop, how could they have not had a better plan or how could they have failed? You know, Braden shoemake is a guy that was probably one injury away from being called up last year. And I really did think that at the worst case scenario, We would see Braden Shoemake come up in September. If if everything went perfect and right, I thought Shoemake was still going to be a September call-up to this team. That's how close he is. But how do you not have a better plan? How do you have a guy in Orlando Garcia? And yeah, we can talk about the thing, but again, when you play every single day, okay, when you're out there trotting a guy out every single day, his flaws and his warts. Get exposed. Those flaws and warts come to light more than when you just play them a day here or a substitute here or a random Tuesday here. When you're talking about every day and every inning, your flaws and warts bubble up to the surface for it. So I just don't understand how the Braves didn't have a better plan for, look, when they lost Freddie Freeman, what'd they go out and do? Trade for Matt Olson, sign him to a long-term contract, one of the better young first basemen in baseball, Gold Glove. Okay, we had a succession plan in place, right? So why was it so different for Dansby Swanson in the succession plan? And how bad could Grissom be? Because reports are that They didn't think he was ready to be an everyday short. Well, again, he played half a year last year at second base at a position that he didn't play in his minor league career. You you threw him in when Ozzy got hurt. Maybe necessity is the mother of invention, but you played him half a season while uh, Ozzy was hurt last year, played him at second base where he wasn't naturally, you know, he played naturally at shortstop his minor league career. He spent the majority and vast majority of his games playing shortstop in the minors. So it was a natural transition to just go over to short and work with Ron Washington. How did it go so sideways? I mean, we may never know all of this kind of stuff. And maybe, maybe Dave O'Brien or Mark Bowman or somebody like that will have reports that come out, whatever. But this seems like just head-scratching, right? that the Braves don't have a better plan for a team that is so on the ball with their roster and locking guys up and making the moves and filling in your needs and all this kind of stuff to not have had a better plan at shortstop than Orlando Arcia, who hasn't played regularly in four years. That seems to be a mistake. And, and it's one of the rare things that Alex Anthopoulos hasn't gotten right. Maybe it'll work itself out. Maybe magically Orlando Arcia will become Dansby Swanson 2.0. Maybe all of that happens. But again, as the Ghostbuster said, we are ready to believe you. I'll give Alex Anthopoulos all the benefit of the doubt when it comes to this, but it definitely is a real head-scratcher for what has happened at shortstop for the Braves. All right, would well, thank you so much for making Hit and Hard with John Chuck your first listen. Make sure you make Locked On Sports today. Excuse me, your second listen. Biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available on Spotify, Odyssey, YouTube, wherever you get all of your podcasts from. And of course, you can subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Get the latest episodes of Hit and Hard when they are available. Roku and Amazon Fire is two additional ways that you can check out all of our content. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Back with you tomorrow. This has been hitting Hard with John Chukri, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members.